So our reading today comes from Luke 10, chapters 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Thank you so much. Uh, let's pray and we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're good. Uh, Lord, you are a God who wants, who has built us to rest with you, to be with you. Uh, Lord, to prioritize that time. Lord, and so as we lean into that, as we uh, reflect on uh, these, these words of yours, Lord, these red letters that shape and mold us, Lord, I pray that you speak. So in precious name we pray, amen. Again, it's good to be with you guys this Sunday. Uh, it is a funny Sunday for me, I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is one of those Sundays where God was teaching me something as I was getting ready to preach. It's some kind of curveball he throws at me sometimes, which is okay. In fact, it normally ends up being better for everybody. But how many of you guys have ever had those days where literally nothing goes right? Have you guys ever had those, right, where you've got like a big project, right, you're getting really excited, maybe you're about to throw a party, and just like the cacophony of things can go wrong? That was today. And I don't mean that like, like literally, like between like my car not starting and like screens not working. Uh, everyone, Eric is my new best friend. If you don't know Eric's, uh, Eric is Kristen's husband. Uh, he's fantastic. He uh, helped me, you know, not have a panic attack, which was great, right? But it was one of those things where there was something that needed to happen, right? We wanted to have church today. We wanted to have a live stream today. We wanted an opportunity to gather and to worship. So there was an urgent thing that was happening, and there was a necessary thing that was happening, right? An important, urgent thing, and that is what we talk about, quadrant one. Let's see if this is going to work, and today, you know, nothing probably is going to work, so that's all right. Uh, we'll go to the next slide, if that's all right. So, is, but, so quadrant one is urgent and important. Church service is urgent and important, right? Quadrant two is non-urgent and important. And what I've learned in my faith is that the deep stuff happens in quadrant two. What we're going to see in the story of Mary and Martha is the deep stuff happens, the non-urgent but important stuff. Because if I don't pray in a given moment, right, like breath doesn't just leave my lungs, right? If I don't read my Bible this very second, right, God doesn't just abandon me. It's not urgent in the sense that if I don't do it in this very moment, something goes wrong, and yet it's extremely important. And this, this first week of the Red Letter Challenge, this first week where we are talking through and working through what it looks like to just be with God and how important that is. And that first week of the devotional, that's what you're going to be reading about, is how God wants to be with you and how being with him and just spending time with him how crucial that is to everything else. And so again, for to me, today was one of those moments where I had this urgent thing, I had this important thing, and everything was going wrong. And God just kept telling me, Josh, take a deep breath, brother. It's okay. Because ultimately, I'm going to be the one who's going to do the heavy lifting. And even if something goes wrong, even if this piece of tech doesn't work, even and that's not an excuse that we don't want to do things well or we don't want to get better, none of that. But to remember the priority 
But the things that we do, even when serving God, come out of that, and that's our story with Mary and Martha. So it starts off, right? Let's read through this together. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where there was a woman named Martha. He welcomed her into him, into her home. Her sister, however, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Next slide. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. We've all been Martha in the story, right? That, That party that you need to put on, that that thing that just urgently you want to see happen, right? All of us have been that. In fact, one of my favorite memes of all times is uh, a bunch of people looking down into a grave, and what it says is, I want the people I did group projects with when I die to lower me into the grave so they can let me down one last time. Right? Have you guys ever had that before? Right? Where you've got this project that you're doing with people. And like for whatever reason, they don't have that same urgency that you do. Right? And you're like, come on. Why didn't you do that assignment? You had to find five pictures. How did you screw that up? Right? That's what's going on with Mary and Martha. They have this party. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, man, things are just blowing up. Jesus is the hottest thing that is walking around Israel. And he shows up at Mary and Martha's house, right? This is the big party. This is a huge opportunity to see God, to meet with God, to hear about this Messiah. And so Martha wants everyone to have a good time. She wants Jesus to have a good time. We've all been Martha, right? We've got that quadrant one thing. This is important and this is necessary. But she's starting to freak out. It's starting to well up inside her, that anxiety that it's not going according to plan. And so she sees her sister just hanging out at Jesus' feet, and she's like, what the? Seriously? Now is not the day to be better at rest than it is at work. There's way too much stuff going on. We've all been Martha. And quadrant one's important. The party was important but it wasn't what was deeper. And that's why Jesus goes on and he says these words. He says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and you're upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. You know that next slide. She, She put first things first. Right? She, she took that time with God. The Messiah was there, and he wanted to have a relationship with her. He, he wanted to see her. He wanted to hear from her, and he wanted her to hear from him. And so she took that time, and she allowed first things to be first. And y'all, there, there is no greater number one There is no greater first than that time, that privilege, that honor that we have to go before the God of the universe and to just be with him. Because in being with him, what we're going to find out is we actually work better. 
We work better in our jobs. We work better in our relationships. We work better on the house. When we put first things first, like Mary, the work gets easier. Because at the end of the day, we're not God. He is. He's going to be the one who, again, does the heavy lifting. And so as long as we are in right alignment with him, it puts all the rest of the pieces in the right place. Go to that next slide. All right, uh, go to the one after that. I think I screwed up my slides. Uh, uh, this, this comes from the Psalms. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is literally the Psalm that I start all of my prayer life with. So every time that I pray by myself, that kind of morning prayer, or this morning it was me just literally, uh, Eric walked in, saw me cross-legged on the couch. This is what I start with. This prayer, this invocation almost of realizing that I'm not God, but that he is. That he is exalted, that he is the first and the last, and that in that first and that last, he's invited me into a relationship with him. And so to allow my mind to stop working, uh, Chuck Lambert, I think you said it in the comments, even when I rest, I can't stop thinking about all the stuff I have to do. Like sometimes I do that in my prayer life. Do you guys ever do that in your prayer life? Like, all right, God, I'm going to spend some time with you here and now. And all of a sudden I start thinking about like my laundry, right? Or like, oh, that messages that I was supposed to send, right? Like all these things start running through. Something that's actually helped me with that is sometimes I'll have a prayer journal out and I'll just make a separate column where it's like, oh yeah, text mom. Great, just write it down and then let it go, right? But learning to be still, learning to let our brain shut down enough to just reflect on who he is and, and what he's doing. You can go to that next slide. Right, Because we have a uh, relationship with our creator. And and that relationship is creator creation. And and the reason why I bring that up, the reason why this is so important to understand is because sometimes we can go to God like we're equals, right? Like, or we're like in the same ballpark, if that makes sense, right? Like, okay, I'm coming. God is just kind of a better version of me. That, that's what the Greeks used to do, right? So if you looked at, you know, Zeus, if you looked at Aphrodite, if you looked at uh, Athena, right? All these Greek gods, they were essentially better versions of humans, stronger, smarter, but that they still had our faults, right? That, that's not what we do when we go to God because he's not in our ballpark. We're, we're not like tears away from God. We're realities away from God. We are literally the creation. He is the creator. And so when we go to him in that being still, what we're saying is, you know what, God, I realize I'm not you. I, I'm not in control if my car is going to start. I, I'm not in control if the slides are going to work. I'm not in control if this family member and this family member are going to get along at this July 4th party. It's coming before God and realizing you're in control and the peace that comes with that 
and the stillness that comes with that, that all of a sudden that I'm not carrying the whole world on my shoulders, that you are not carrying the whole world on your shoulders, that you have a Messiah, a God who is fighting for you and who is knitting together this beautiful tapestry that we call the world together. And, and we get that when we're able to realize we're the creation, he's the creator, and so we relate to him in that way, but not just that way, but also realizing he's also our father, that we've been adopted into his family, that he is a Messiah who says, and I want you to be my friend. We have a creator God who comes into our stratosphere, who comes into our ballpark and says, but I still want a unique relationship with you. And that is good news for all of us. All right, let's go to that next slide. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Next slide. One of the ways that we be with God is not just being still, it's not just in prayer, but it's surrounding ourselves with his word, with scripture. We talked about this last week, but the gospels were literally written, John says. These words were written that you may have life and a life in his name. These words were written that we could know the God that we have. That we could enter into his story. And so we build that scripture into our lives. And there are literally 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 different ways that can look for each of you. It can look for me. That can look for me and my wife. In different seasons, it's going to look different. And yet that call to engage in those spiritual disciplines, that call to engage in God's words as it shapes us, informs us, is what allows us to abide with him, to be with him, to love him. Next slide. And Jesus answered him, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. This reality that we are called to worship. Right? And then that happens here corporately, right? When we sing songs. Songs like, you are good. All the time. And all the time, you are good. Right? Psalms that remind us that it's nothing but his blood that actually wash us and clean us, that connect us back to him. But as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that worship isn't just an emotional response, it's not just a time, but it's how we live our lives. It's how we allow God to shape our actions that help us worship the God that we have. The God that shows up. The God who promises I'm with you. And because I'm with you, I'm going to send you out to be agents of change and blessing. Equip, send, bless. Right? That as we are equipped by him, we're sent out. And then as we're sent out, we're allowed to see the blessings. And then it's this big circle that goes over and over and over again. That's our act of worship. That as we follow him, and we're going to sing that after the message, that is one of the ways that we are with him, by actually doing what he says. He said, I'm going to be there with you until the ends of the age. Not just with you for a little bit. Not just with you hour by hour or when you show up to a strip mall building or an online service. 
but instead I will be with you always, he promises. No matter where you are, I'm here, and so we go with him. And then last but not least, I think there's going to go to the next, yeah, so during, uh, uh, yes, devoting ourselves to God, and then last, the promise of the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was uh, made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. Last slide. Taking time off, the rhythm of Sabbath was made for you. And this is huge. The gift of rest, the promise of it, that we're not God, that the entire world is not resting on our shoulders, that our job is not resting purely on our shoulders, that a church service is not resting purely on our shoulders, that your family is not resting purely on your shoulders, that he's God, and because he's God, because he's in control, we can put that down. And that he made something for us to help us put it down. That he made this rhythm that's meant to be this gracious, refreshing, rejuvenating opportunity to encounter him and the good things that he has placed in our life and to celebrate them. When we celebrate Sabbath, when we allow time to just be, to be rejuvenated, we're actually drawn again back into relationship closer to the God that we have, the God who is with us. You're going to read in the Red Letter devotional that it's easy to make work out of the Sabbath. The, the ancient Israelites did. They had all these rules, these regulations, because what they thought was, okay, I have to take time off the right way. And if I don't take it off perfectly, then God's not satisfied with it. And Jesus comes down and he's like, whoa, you guys are way overcomplicating this. I just want you to rest. I just want you to breathe. I want you to enjoy what God has given you as a promise that he's not done yet. Because the good news of Jesus is he wants to be with you. My gosh, does he want to be with you. I don't know how much God wants to be with you. He was willing to die. He was willing to sacrifice himself that you may have a relationship with the God of the universe. Because all of us get this wrong, right? I got this wrong this morning multiple times. And it was pretty early on that I realized nothing is going to go according to plan. Right? It was like probably like 7.45, and I got a pretty clear word from God of like, just, just calm down. It's, it's going to be a mess. I'm like, yeah, gotcha. Gotcha, God. going to be a mess. That lasted that piece for about 15 seconds until like the next curveball hit, and then it was like another five minutes. Oh, yep, yep, yep. It's going to be a mess. It's not. A, right? We learn to do that. We, we want to take back what is God's. And when we start taking back what it's got, that, that's where the anxiety wells up. That, that's where the anger wells up. That, that's where the friction and, and all the tension and all the broken relationships and broken countries and, and broken worlds come up. Because we're all still works in progress, pastor included. And yet the good news is that we have a rhythm that allows us to bring that brokenness, to bring that sin, all the times that we've missed the mark, and it's like, God, I, I still need forgiveness. And then to still hear his promise, his breath, that he has forgiven us, that we are loved and that we are 
in his presence, the holy God as his holy kids. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you at awe of not just how far you would go to have a relationship with us, but all the different ways that you have built into this world that we can be with you. Lord God, but too often, Lord, we, we, we don't rest. We, we don't worship you. We worship the things of this world. Uh, we consume and inundate ourselves with things that are not just not your word, but against your word. Lord, uh, we refuse to be still. Lord, we come before you in confession, not in despair, but with the courage and the certainty to know that when we confess our sins, your word says, you are righteous and you forgive us our sins. Lord, and in your righteousness, in your right relationship with God, you bring in a right relationship with us. Lord, that we may have a God who wishes to just breathe that be still, that promise, that good news into our lives. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We worship a little bit.